Hello and welcome to State News Sports Roundtable Quarantine Edition Part 3, I think. I'm losing track of the days, but I am your host, Eli McCowan. Today, I'm joined by Devin Anderson-Torres, talks of Michigan State football. Devin, how are we doing, man? Doing pretty good. How are you? I think about as good as anybody can be doing, you know? Sitting at home, crappy internet, and, uh, you know, just getting through. I mean, how's it been in quarantine? We haven't really talked too much since we had uh, Departee Slancing. Um, yeah, I've just been, I've been doing, uh, kind of lose my mind a little bit, but we'll be all right. Got a little uh, spring football, a couple teasers from the coaches, and that's kind of kept me going as far as sports go, but hard to know sports. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, as Devin mentioned there, we've been a part of some, I mean, a very extremely altered edition of spring football. Um, we're not, obviously, there's no practices going on. There's no spring game. There's no green, or what was called a green and white game. Nothing like that. Uh, we've been participating in some teleconferences along with some of the other media um, with the coaching staff over the last few weeks. Thought before we were kind of wrapping up here, um, our time and the pod and all those different things, we talk about some MSU football because since since Mel Tucker got hired, we have not discussed it. So I guess we'll go ahead and start with talking about, well, I mean, the coronavirus. It's affected just about everything, and, re- and uh, this football team is not immune to that. And um, they've had to adjust in different ways, and one of those ways has been in the way they've been conditioning and things like that. So, Devin, you wrote a story on how this team's been getting lifts in, how they've been staying conditioned, and some of those other things. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, from Mel Tucker's first little uh, press conference that he's done since the coronavirus happened and everybody went home, they've really been emphasizing the use of Zoom, which I think all of our students know is a pretty uh, – I guess, important part of our education now. It's like the only way we get contact with our uh, teachers and classmates, but they've been using a lot of Zoom. I'm, I'm sure it's definitely an adjustment. It's um the way Matt Allen put it was learning a new language because um, of how many changes they've had and having to learn new playbooks and um, lingo through Zoom, through phone calls. And um, that's definitely been an adjustment, but they have, um, I think that they've really found a way to um, keep flowing as a team. Um, from what we've heard from the players and the coaches, they still all have that fire in them where they just want to get stuff done and they want to make it the best offseason possible because obviously their goal is always championships. So that's something they're working towards. Um, t- we had a chance to um, talk to Antoine Simmons a little bit. He, um, As soon as he went home, he went and bought all the weights he could He's lifting every day. Same thing with Matt Allen. Matt Allen's been working with his brother, um, um, Jack, who is home with him there. And um, Actually, Matt Allen's other brother, Brian, just um, was the first confirmed case of coronavirus in the NFL. But good to hear that he is um, he's recovering well and getting healthy again. But, yeah, basically, they've just been trying to get lifted any way they can. They're holding each other accountable through um, group chats and, texting and they really just been doing all they can to stay on pace i think one of the things that blew my mind from the entire thing um when i was listening into it uh matt allen or yeah matt allen he brought it up um how some of them are getting lifts in and one of the guys ajr curry said that he was using um cinder blocks and a broomstick 
And I, I was just like, because some of these guys, you know, they're in situations where, you know, Matt's very fortunate to have, he talked about having a, you know, uh, blocking dummies and things like that. And also having Jack, his brother home, who's an NFL talent, <laughs> having that home and he's been able to work. But, you know, some guys don't have that luxury. And, you know, Antoine was able to go out and buy some weights, but some guys can't do that. Because one of the things he said, too, is hard for him getting it because everyone's at home and wants to get in shape and everyone bought all the weightlifting equipment. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, it's been interesting to see how all these guys have been so unique with it as well. And I mean, obviously the zoom portion of it, I mean, zoom has been, I mean, for me, it's been difficult. And I mean, I don't know how many of those guys, you know, are in the same situation as me, where it's like my internet is just crap. So yeah. from time to time, I just don't like, there's sometimes I'm just like, well, I guess I'm not going to class today. And I assume those, <laughs> and I assume those players obviously can't take that approach. Otherwise, you know, it's just not going to look good for them going forward, especially with a new coaching staff. But, um, yeah, it's just been bizarre to see some of that stuff. Um, and then I think one of the other things that was surprising about this adjustment, you know, or it was kind of just it, it's a subject with within the team is, you know when D'Antonio left, there was a lot of discussion about, man, he's retiring really late and it's going to be really hard for them to find somebody, you know, before they brought Tucker in and Tucker comes in, he comes in late and everyone's talking about, can you put together a staff? Can you do this? I mean, it's impressive to me, not only the staff that he put together in that short time, but how he's been able to keep everyone engaged, um, be a zoom and get, make connections so early. Yeah. I mean, Tucker was, um, quote-unquote relentless from you know first getting hired and he really jumped into things and it's kind of sucks to not see him get this spring season but I mean they're still pushing and moving forward I mean um Antoine Simmons said you know it's more of like a um hold yourself accountable thing right now and getting as far as getting stuff done staying in shape and keeping that football edge but man I mean they've been doing zoom conferences I think he said four times a week um just constantly drilling football and you know, everybody in the Big Ten's in the same situation. So you got to, you know, Michigan State's a step or two behind because of this new coaching staff. But you got to think, like, you know, they're really drilling it as far as being able to do as much as they can at, in this time. Yeah, and one of the other things they've been, you know, like you said, quote-unquote relentless in yep. is um, bringing in recruits. They just brought in their fourth commit in the Mel Tucker era last night, defensive tackle out of Detroit. Um, and I mean, to bring in recruits, all these guys, it's, it's seeming like they've been in, um, virtual visits via, I assume via zoom or FaceTime or something to that yeah. extent. And he's still been able to bring in four guys. I think that's been really impressive. Yeah, for sure. For sure. They got, um, you know, Ethan Boyd right out of their backyard at East Lansing and, um, yeah. They, and then that, um, their first commit, the RB three star. What was his name again? Oh. oh, shoot. It's slipping me right now. But, yeah, yeah, he's he, – it's been remarkable. I mean, like, the, you know, he's not bring, you know, he, maybe he hasn't brought in, you know, high prof, extremely high-profile dudes, but these are all guys that can play when you watch their tape. Um, I, I got some time to look at um, defensive tackle staff, and his name's slipping me right now, too. All their names are right now. I don't know why I'm blanking all of a sudden, but um, – he, he's got some really good tape, it seemed like, coming out of Detroit. He's going to be a major impact guy. And then one of the other guys, um, his first name slipped me, his last name's Neely. 
out of Miami Gabe as a cornerback. Neely. Gabe Neely? Yep. Yeah, Gabe Neely. Six, he's a six four long, athletic guy that was out of Miami. And from my understanding, wasn't even being really looked at to, or go, gone after too hard, at least, by the previous coaching staff. And Mel Tucker, like, visited the, uh, virtually visited this guy down in Miami and pulled him in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one thing I will say about Mel Tucker is he's been um, extremely well at re-offering kids let him know that this new coaching staff still wants him on the roster. And I think that's a really crucial part of, you know, keeping those earlier commits or earlier interests as far as, you know, letting them know this new coaching staff is still interested in them. And then going so far as to recruit new players and even landing some this early, especially given the circumstance. Yeah. It's been really impressive so far. And that's, you know, overall, how the team's adjusted and how they've done everything so far, regardless of um, where you're coming from, I think at this point you kind of just have to respect the way that they've done things so far because it seems like, you know, they've just it, – it, it just seems like they've done everything right so far. Everything that they've done just seemingly fits what they needed to do in this time. They've kind of been almost a leader in that where it almost seems like they've just – I haven't seen too many other programs bringing in these recruits, let alone one that just got a yeah. new coaching staff. But Granted, we can't we can't see everything that's behind the scenes, but from what we have seen, I think they have done a you know tremendous job, especially given this new coaching staff, new circumstances. I mean, I think landing four recruits during this time would be impressive for even D'Antonio's staff, you know, yeah. before they even made any switches, and you know, Tucker's out there doing it in his first year, not even right. And, I mean, the transition now into more some other football stuff is um, a lot of focus in this offseason has been put on the offense. And this offense a year ago, the last few years, has struggled. It was the one thing in the D'Antonio era that probably held him back over the years. And from the bits and pieces that we've heard from guys, um, Matt Allen called it a total rebuild. Said this, we're yeah. starting from scratch. Um this is going to be, you know, whenever football does resume, this is going to be the one thing that looks, that's going to be heavily scrutinized under Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be emphasized. I'm, the one thing I will say I'm still, um, you know, hesitant to call is just the quarterback situation. Um, it's, difficult, it's difficult to really tell what's going to happen with that as far as Rocky, CEO, um, and Peyton. Yeah. Yeah, and the, some of the things, he, the only things that we heard about the quarterback position came from um, Jay Johnson. And yep. Johnson, when he discussed the three, he didn't really get too much into Lombardi. His was more of, I've seen Lombardi play. He has a lot more game film for me to analyze, whereas the other two, I mean, Theo has one, like, three down, three downs in the Penn State game. It was about yeah, it. yeah. And Peyton Thorne, redshirted last year. He's a freshman still at this point. Um, but the one thing that he said about Lombardi was just, you know, they're, they are going to keep him at quarterback. There were rumblings, you know, with his size. Could he be switched to other positions? Doesn't seem like that's going to happen. It looks like he's going to be in that quarterback room. Um, the Theo Day, he seemed to be particularly, um, I'm not sure the exact word for it, but he seemed to be very interested in his prospects, talking about, his athletic ability and the way the ball comes out of his hand. I, I mean, I think so. I think, um, you know, from the games I covered last year, which was all but, I think, two, um, 
I was there for the Penn State game where Theo Day did get his snaps um, over. He got subbed in after the work. He threw a couple interceptions, and then uh, they went to Rocky. There's a lot of switch in that game. Um, no real explanation, but, yeah, Theo Day was, like, the only one to get a first first down in the third quarter. Yeah. You know, so from what I've seen from him, as far as film goes, you know, it's hard to judge, but he did look pretty sharp. And that was kind of the only thing you talked about. Theo was more of his athletic ability, the way he goes. I re- he said he was really looking forward to work, getting to work with him more. was one thing he suggested. So it seems like Theo Day is definitely in that discussion. And then the other one he brought up was Peyton Thorne. And Thorne, one of yeah. the things he really seemed to be jacked about was his um, intangibles. He said he seems uh, that he was really obsessed with Thorne's ability, you know, to just be smart about the game. And Jay Johnson talked about his specific word for the quarterbacks. He goes, they got to be the CEO. They need to be able to lead and be able to do everything. So I think coming down to it, I mean, it's pretty obvious it's going to come down to those three guys. Unfortunately, my guy, Eli McLean, kind of leans close to my name, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be in that discussion. Uh, but he did mention him at one point, too. I thought it was funny. He said uh, when he was talking about watching film with the quarterback, saying, hey, Eli, what's this? And I kind of just – Eli McLean's kind of my guy. He's got this almost yep. the same name. I was like, "Hey, go McLean. Hope he go. wins the hope he wins the job." But um, at some point, yeah. But Thorn, it seems like with Thorn, he was really enamored with his intangibles. But I mean, yeah. it's it's going to be interesting to see where they decide to go with that. Um, I would imagine. I, I'm not going to make a prediction. I don't think any, anybody can make a prediction on who it's going to be, but um, seemingly right now they're just in that get-to-know-you phase of those three quarterbacks. Yeah, I know. I, I, if you had to pencil somebody in, I don't know how you don't do pencil in Lombardi with his experience, but from what we heard from Jay Johnson, it really seems like he's considering all the options and you know it's going to take into the fall to really make that decision. I think if it was the Antonio staff, I would, if I had to put my life on it, 100%, I would say Lombardi. Yeah. But with this, the new staff and everything, it's going to take some time before we really know. And it may not even be till like, the ball is kicked that we know who it's going to be. And God only knows when the ball is going to finally be kicked. But we'll see. Um, the other thing with this offense, though, that, I mean, they, they discussed a little bit is all the skill players that they have are incredibly young the guys who are going to be out in that staff. I mean, a lot of them have a lot of snaps. Elijah Collins is going to be RB1, and he's going to be looking to be the first 1,000-yard rusher since um, Jeremy Langford. Um, at, I think it's 2013, 2014, somewhere in there. Um, on the wide receivers, you lose um, Daryl Stewart. You lose Cody White to the NFL. So your starting wide receivers are some of your main guys in that room or Jaden Reed, transfer from Western, who's a sophomore. Um, Julian Barnett's going to be switching to corner from our, my understanding of the situation yeah. when Harlan Barnett Which, talked. Yeah. And then I think who, who Trayvon is, Morgan, Trayvon Morgan registered that whole last year, but you know, six, six, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a big receiver. And I think he can really, you know, make a splash. Yeah. He highly recruited, you know, out of high school ended up not playing that whole, um, uh, first year. But, I mean, he was the number one wide receiver in Ohio before he got um, injured. Yeah. So, you know, that's a that's a high recruit that didn't get to see really much playing time last year. But as far as this upcoming year, I would – I know he, he's got to get some snaps. 
See, then you've got C.J. Hayes, who had a lot of time last year, and then the one guy who's going to be maybe different from all the other ones is Jalen Naylor and his speed. Um, that's going to be one thing to uh, look out for. But, I mean, if, if there's potential that if Rocky Lombardi's not the guy at quarterback – and, you know, Connor Hayward's going to be in that running back mix. It looks like he could be maybe more of a pass catcher maybe out of the back, out of the backfield. But there's potential with those two guys. And then with the emergence of Trenton Gillison at tight end that, I mean, the major players are all going to be freshmen and sophomore at, at those yeah. skill positions. I would say they also, but they do have a chance to be, you know, really explosive as far as quick strike offense. Elijah Collins is one of the most fun players to watch in that team last year. He's like, you know, one of the only ones that get, got some offense going at times. And, you know, Jalen Naylor, he, his speed, I'm definitely interested to see who's throwing the ball, but, you know, they have a chance to be like a really, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a lot of hurry up, quick strike offense where they were just jamming it down teams' throats. Because, I mean, Jalen Naylor, especially in that Indiana game from two seasons ago, he showed off that track level speed he's got. Yeah, and my goodness, that dude can just absolutely fly. I mean, in the maybe they even run some MSU favorite jet sweeps with him going forward. I'd love to see it. But um, th- one of the things that's going to be key for the offense, though, is that offensive line. And that offensive line, I have by Pro Football Focus, was in the bottom five in college football last season, or bottom ten at the very least. I think they were like fifth or sixth worst in the country, somewhere around that area. Um, they had a lot of injuries last year, though. A lot of injuries. There is some other things with that as well. A lot of injuries. Um, they were rotating guys everywhere. I think Higby and some of those guys were and Matt Allen. They played it just about everywhere, every spot last season. It seemed like. Yep. Um, but this is a, um, a rebuilding season for that offensive line. But the, the one thing about it is they've got a good mix of youth of some really talented guys like Devonte dobbs i think he still ended up keeping his red shirt i think he's still a freshman when i looked at the roster if i remember correctly yeah he's a, he's a red shirt freshman right now yep and then um they've got some other young guys like him um what I, name slipped in my um jd duplain's gonna be coming back he was another guy that played some a lot of snaps last year and the guy leading it all is gonna be coach cap i can't say his last name so we're gonna keep it at coach cap and uh, everywhere he's been, he's been able to flip the fortunes of the offensive line he's been at. Um, when he was at North Carolina before joining Coach Tucker at uh, Colorado, he was the offensive coordinator and offensive line for Mitch Trubisky, uh, Sean Ryder's favorite. Um, but he he's the um, he was the offensive coordinator there in, when. He was there. It was the number five offense in the country, one of the best offensive lines surrounding Trubisky. Um, then he goes to Colorado, and in year one, um, again, flipped the fortunes of that offensive line, and it was with a really young group of guys who didn't have a lot of snaps either um, at Colorado. So, I mean, what were your kind of um, thoughts on Coach Cap going forward, Devin? Um, one of my biggest thoughts is that um, the, the players seem receptive to him. Um, we only got a chance to really listen to Matt Allen about that, but he said, you know, speaking for the entire offensive line that, you know, so far they love um, Coach Cap's philosophies and what he's doing. And I think that's one of the most important things is with an entirely new, you know, change of house and such a rough year for the offensive line last year, 
being able to mesh with that coach and really gel and, you know, flow and learn from him is going to be really important in this first year to, um, you know, improve. And I think they have a chance to do that just because of the relationship they have the chance to build. And, um, yeah, I can see Coach Cap, you know, making a switch like he did at Colorado, North Carolina, same as here. And the... TikTok of him he that the Michigan State football team released that he was pushing a car. Got to give him props yeah. there, man. He's he seems. Yeah. And the other thing is too. Before we start moving on to more of the defensive side of the ball here is, like, can you imagine some of the things like some of the things that they have been doing in regards to fan engagement, like the entire staff tweeting out the recruiting um, twenty one built strong thing when recruits coming in all at once, them yep. tweeting out coordinating that the TikToks, Mel Tucker going out and doing a Twitter Q&A with fans. And then not only that, but in the Twitter Q&A, he made a comment at Colorado fans being salty, essentially, about him leaving. <laughs> he got a, It was more or less a fun little shot, kind of. And then he also talked about Michigan a little bit, some other things. Can you imagine Mark D'Antonio? And this isn't a shot at Mark D'Antonio or the staff before him or anything like that, but more just the differences between the two, but can you imagine D'Antonio and the staff doing some of the things that they're doing right now? I think with the, the Dan, D'Antonio era ending, there was definitely a, um, more of a modernization in, you know, that coaching staff. And I think that, you know, I think Coach Tucker's phenomenal. I think his, what he's been doing on Twitter is awesome, hilarious. Like, he tweeted out a playlist, boot up on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, you got a fan out of me. I'm, you know, I can't really say much more than that. And it's not a shout out to Antonio, but what uh, this entire coaching staff, media staff, has been doing in these last couple of months, especially given the situation where, you know, some people need like to brighten the mood with no sports. I think they've just been doing a phenomenal job. The thought of Antonio tweeting out a picture of of a meme asking whether tortillas could be used as toilet paper is just mind-boggling to me. Like, if you would have told me this was going to happen a year from now, that the head coach of Michigan State was going to be tweeting that out, I would have laughed at you and said, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. It's bizarre to see some of the things. And, I mean, it's not not as much of a, like, a shot at Antonio and some of those things. It was just, it was a culture shift from, culture shift of, like, this is a business, Almost like the business comes first to now it's more of like a, and maybe we'll start to see as like the season comes on, some of those things start to change and I'm sure you will. But like right now it's almost seeming like, you know, like let's get back to some fun too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, from, you know, the tone of Spartan football last year, despite the bowl game, they still finished it with a win, but you know, the tone was kind of solemn, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, from, from the, the news outlets and, you know, just the vibe of the, the team and right now it feels like like they did a 180 like they did a Joel, Joel do a 180 and B kind of <laughs> switch and you know I think that's pretty awesome yeah so now after our little uh culture shift tangent there we'll talk about the defense the defense is losing a ton of production from last year uh Kenny Willekes, Raekwon Williams, Josiah Scott, Joe Bocci all looking to be high picks in the draft coming up here soon sometime probably coming in the second or third day of the draft here which we're we're recording this on a thursday so we're about a week away from that 
but this is a defense that's going to have to rebuild. So what were your thoughts on the defense going forward? My thought is that they have the perfect defensive staff to rebuild. Um, Antoine Simmons said it best where any one of those guys could go be coordinators anywhere else, but, you know, Trestle being a coordinator, now a safeties coach, they're all picking these things where they have a lot of knowledge in it. They're taking coordinator-level talent and really emphasizing that each part of the defense, and I can just see that, you know, just really strengthening them with, um, you know, Harlan Bennett, Barnett at, you know, cornerbacks, and Scotty Hazleton. I cannot emphasize his impact enough. Hazleton, what was it, at K-State, his third down defense was second in the nation. And if you remember anything from Michigan State's third down D last year, it's pretty atrocious. Long yeah. game sure they were they state actually finished 28 spots behind them at number 30 and third down d and hazelton was with k-state just imagine what he can do with this coaching staff around him and this um you know spartan team because he's still got a lot of you know key players coming are still here i mean we talked about it a little bit earlier but i like to really see what julian barnett can do at cornerback which is going to be really interesting um who else? I mean, you got... Naquan Jones returns. Yep. Noah Harvey's coming back. He he filled in pretty well for Joe Bocci after his suspension. Um, and you've got... Oh, there's somebody else that I'm, that's slipping my mind. Hey, Willick little brother. Yeah. Charles Willick. Yep. Redshirt freshman. Of course, you got Antoine Simmons, captain. Of course. This year. He showed a lot of, um, you know, captain-like qualities last year you know really get a chance to lead the d this year it's you talked yeah. about like the staff being so essential i mean you look at those guys i mean you talked about a lot of them be coordinators everywhere else it's because all of them have been coordinators at other places and they all so even to down to the point you know scotty hazelton was at k-state before this mike trussell was the defensive coordinator the last couple of years harlan barnett defensive coordinator down at florida state and former players were asking or hoping that Harlan Barnett may be the head coach. They were asking, you know, for him when they were the coach was going on to go after Harlan Barnett. And he's now coaching cornerbacks. Um, even Ross Ells. Ross Ells was a defensive coordinator at Purdue um, before joining the Nebraska staff as a linebackers coach and then following Tucker to um, Colorado and then now back to Michigan State. And Ross Ells, it was something that was funny in his um, – teleconference he talked about um they asked him about getting back to big 10 titles i think hondo asked him about it if i remember right i'm not sure who i think it was and they asked him you know getting back to getting back to the big 10 title game and he laughed and he goes i'm glad you brought up the big 10 title game because he goes the last time i was in it wisconsin scored 70 on us (laughs) it was kind of funny when he said it but i mean this is a staff man that is just loaded from top to bottom guys but um But it's going to be interesting to see, you know, they're with. I think when I counted it up, they're losing eight guys that were at least starters at one point, were starters throughout the majority of the season. Um, one thing that's going to be key for them, like, and you brought up one of the guys who may fill that role is the cornerbacks. Cornerbacks are going to be key because we're losing Josiah Scott. Um, Josh Butler was kind of filling that second cornerback role for most of the season, especially when Shakur went down. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, what were your thoughts on the cornerbacks outside of Julian Barnett? Um, 
Um, obviously, yeah, but they're losing some, and I think you know cornerbacks and safeties um, are going to have to fill a huge gap in this team. And I think um, something you know off this tangent is um, more so your article or column on you know just practicing patience because they're obviously going to be hurting as far as no spring practices and you know not even knowing if fall football is really going to be there. But with this coaching staff, they and this really, really young group, they have a chance to develop, you know, great, really good. Yeah, and I think with the corners, Harlan Barnett comes back, and I mean, I think people tend to forget like, some of the things that he did. I mean, I forget who he was before leaving for Florida State. I mean, Harlan Barnett was looked at as the heir apparent to D'Antonio at one point when he was the defensive coordinator, and... Um, the people, I mean, he just has a really, he has a really big energy to him. And he, he talked a lot about Julian Barnett. I wrote a story on Harlan Barnett in the corners going forward. Um, but he talked a lot about Harlan Barnett, or, or Julian Barnett, excuse me. And he wanted to point out as well that there was no relation between the two. Um, but he, he talked a lot about Julian and his size and his athleticism. I think he's really looking forward to him being one of those guys that's going to step up and be there. Um, as for the other guys, he said he's really searching for that second guy. And it's going to be interesting to see who's going to emerge from that cornerbacks group to be the guy um, going forward. There's a lot of young guys in there. There's not a lot of um, – in that cornerbacks group, there's not a lot of guys who have played a ton of snaps. So um, – and one of the other things, too, is Harlan and Mike Tressel are going to be working together again and, it's, and together in coordination with the secondary. Uh, Tressel is going to be the safeties coach going forward. Those two guys – um, Barnett said that they were brother that after the Rose Bowl, he told them they were brothers for life, those two guys. And I think he talked about, it, he goes, I think Tucker did this on purpose, but he put us together to work together because we've done it for so long. And, you know, I think the secondary has kind of been the thing for the last couple of years, even though they've had a stout defense has been that, um, little bit of a question mark at times, you know, they had a couple of good years there with Josiah Scott and Justin Lane. Um, at one time but you know they had their issues they had their times where they just got burned on big plays here and there and it's going to be really key but I think one of the things that they have the to looking forward is Trestle and Barnett working with each other do you think that Trestle and Barnett will bring the return of the no-fly zone (laughs) I mean like you said I mean we talked about it a little bit I mean this is patience I mean, yeah. they're, they're going to have to – this is a really young team top to bottom, and especially in that secondary. I mean, there's definitely potential for that to happen. I mean, Harlan Barnett, when he was there, you think about some of the guys he produced in that secondary, uh, Darquez Denard and Trey Waynes, just to name a couple who are in the NFL now, um, who who both just got signed uh, decent deals in the NFL. So um, they definitely have that potential – I think what's going to be interesting to see going forward over the next couple of years is, you know, if this defense does succeed, how many of these guys are going to stay um, on, the, on that staff? Because, right. I mean, all of these guys are defensive coordinators. And as much, and, you know, Harlan Barnett talked about it. He goes, that, you know, a lot of these guys, they have no egos. And Scotty Hazleton talked about, um, you know, we, we've been working well together so far, you know, in the terms of, like, you know, we've been working together and, like, we've been able to bring up points and instead of, like, playing down somebody's points saying, oh, that's dumb because we want our points to be made. It's everyone who's like, wow, that's a really good idea. And they're like, we've been so humble to work with each other. And, I mean, if they can keep that staff together, you know, obviously people are going to leave, people are going to do other things, you know, but if they can keep the staff together, man, this defense has got the potential to be special 
down the line, especially with the youngins that they have there. And if Tucker can continue to recruit at their level, he's recruiting. Yeah, emphasis on down the line though. I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun at all on this, um, especially because we just talked about how young they are. You know, this might this might be a year of growing pains, and you know, I think that Spartan Nation has to prepare for that that um, route or that possibility that this could be a four or five win season just because of everything that's going on as far as not being able to practice, learning a new playbook from home and not getting that um, time in with their coaches, this could be a, you know, a season of growing pains. But I think that you're absolutely right that whether it's next year or a little bit further down the road that this defense is going to be you know, stellar, especially with the way that the staff is really meshed together and you know, taking not – I wouldn't even call it lesser roles because I don't think they look at it like that. I think they look at all the roles are equal and they're all playing their part to orchestrate strong defense and I think that if they continue that with that mentality going forward for the next couple of years then yeah they're going to be something it's and we were started going into it a little bit we were going to talk about this the expectation level and I mean obviously the column I wrote was kind of just like there there's going to have to be patience because there's going to be a lot of growing pains with the things that are going on right now and um it's and I kind of wanted to ask you, obviously, and we're going to talk about this as well. We're going to wrap it up with two more things here moving on from the defense. Is, you know, obviously, we're still waiting on what the plan is in regards to college football, you know, when and how they will take the field. Um, but going forward, if this the season does play out in a 12-game season, those types of things, whatever ends up happening, you know, what, where do your expectations lie with this team? Like, where do you think their their ceiling could be? And where do you think that they should be at come whenever that time comes to play again? Well, you know, looking at their schedule now, they start that season off with Northwestern. This you know, schedule is brutal. Definitely, a, yeah, definitely an interesting year for, um, you know, as far as the games are playing, BYU, Toledo, University of Miami, um, they got some interesting games in there. Um, you know, then there's also, like, you know, they're going to have to play the Ohio States and the P.J. Flex. It's, gonna, it's just really hard to say, especially with everything going on. Like I said, I could see it being a four- to five-win season, you know, all the way up to maybe, you know, eight, nine. It's really difficult to tell just depending on how well they mesh together. But I would I would give it the middle. I'd give them seven. I, I'd give them decent bowl game seven if I had to really make that guess I mean I look at the more and more I look at the schedule and obviously you know I I, the one thing that I do hope is that regardless of what happens that they still are able to play the 12 games at this point and obviously we have no idea what's going to happen going forward but this schedule man I hope it doesn't go to waste these games I mean North opening up with Northwestern is definitely interesting. I cannot think of the last time that Michigan State opened up against a Big Ten team. I'm not sure if that's ever happened. Um, but obviously, opening up against Northwestern, and that was a team that struggled last year, but I think they're going to have a resurgent year because Pat Fitzgerald's just a, I mean, he's a marvelous coach. I mean, he was getting interest from the Green Bay Packers a year ago. So, I mean, He's he's done a great job down there, and I'm and um, so that's going to be a tough one. Then they they travel to Provo. BYU, I mean, that game is not going to be a pushover game at all. BYU is going to bring it in that game. They're a great football program down there, and especially traveling and playing in BYU. Their fans are nuts. Yeah, 
And oh, I'm excited for that one. I'm excited to make that trip. Yeah, that one. Oh. Yeah, that'd be nuts. Then you that'd look at time. you look at the next few after that. I mean Toledo. You know Toledo's not, they're one of the better teams in the MAC. I mean that's a team that could come up and surprise. You have Miami, who's um, on the rise again. It appears to be. We'll see going forward. But that one's not going to be a slouch game either. And I mean the two games they draw out of the other side of the division are Iowa at Iowa and and home against Minnesota. I mean, and then their usual six games in their conference and in, in their side of the division. But this schedule, man, I mean, regardless it's of rough. it's rough. They're gonna have a really tough time. I think the only the only thing you can look at that's a good thing about their schedule in terms of like things that lean their way is that at least they get their two main rivals of Michigan and Ohio State at home. It's the only thing that they get at this point. But my goodness, I look at this schedule and I just wonder, you know, it was one of the main things about patience. It's like this team's going to struggle, not just because of like, oh, you know, they're young, new coaching staff, coronavirus. The teams that they have to go against this season, it is not going to be easy. I think when I looked at it after the season ended, um, going forward, I think their schedule this year, it was the number one strength of schedule in the country. Um, based really? on a metric I saw, and that was one. I mean, that was back in January when I saw that. That very well could have changed by now, but the last time I saw it, they were ranked near the top. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a rough season for them, I think. For Tucker, to, but what do you think going forward would be a successful season for Mel Tucker in that first year? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to pull one out against. I'm just going to go right through his schedule. You got to pull one up against Northwestern got to pull that out first game of the year obviously you want to win those BYU Toledo games the Big Ten Conference is going to be tough especially with you know pulling Iowa at Iowa and then Minnesota and those non-conference or non shit games oh mm, sorry Eli. you're good <laughs> um yeah I mean I think expectation wise I think if Tucker wins five games shouldn't be upset I, I think it just comes down to showing progress yeah. showing progress throughout the season that they're getting better because when I look at the schedule and I look at everything that's going on outside of football the coronavirus I mean you know these guys are dealing you know we, t- we talk about you know them trying to prepare for the season but these are human beings too and they're trying to worry about their family worry about you know all these other things that are happening like I mean worry about classes, worry about these things. I mean, there's so many outside distractions that, I mean, aren't even really distractions. I mean, football is more of a distraction to, the, to some of these things anymore. But yeah. I, I, like you said, I think if they can pull out, you know, beating Northwestern is going to be key, I think, to start the season. I mean, that's a really good, it's going to be a good Northwestern team, I think. I mean, but if they can get five wins, be close to a bowl game, and just show, I think if, just showing progress will be key, I think, going forward. Um, they can do that and they show like hey we're building something here i think fans are going to be okay with that mm. but now we obviously are going to have to talk about when and how are they going to take the field um gumble brian brendan gumble i was going to say brian gumble like from real sports but brendan gumble different gumble uh he wrote a story about you know when how talking to some different people on it and I'd recommend that you go check that out. I think he did a really good job of that. Um, but some of the things that are going to be key, one of the um, the athletic reported 
that they're possibly looking at or some of the ADs have discussed a nine-game season where essentially it would be conference games only and they would start in February. What was your reaction to the proposal like that? It just sucks for college football, honestly. Um, You know, it's tough to accept that, but you also got to understand that they're doing it for people's safety and, you know, they're doing it. You know, you can't expect for people to flood back in the fall and fill that student section, fill that stadium, not expect, you know, a second wave of the coronavirus. And I think that's what everybody's trying to prevent right now is, you know, we got to flatten this curve to save lives, obviously. And when it comes to lives versus football, there's obviously a winner there. Um, To get any sort of season, I think, would be awesome. I think that whatever they figure out, I I see there being a football season happening next year. I don't think they just say no no football. Um, The way they go, go about it, maybe no fans. It may be shorter games start in February, but I think that I think that we see a season. Um, you know, it really depend depends on how these next couple months go. I feel like when we um maybe we can get together during the summer and figure out figure out how things are going and think about that then. But it's really it's a hard call right now. It's a hard call to say where, you know, the United States is gonna be in two months. So yeah. the thing about football is secondary really yeah absolutely i mean i think at this point the only thing i think we can be sure of is either one at this point i think one of two things is going to have to happen and that's either the college football and it's going to have to make the decision the ncaa's going to have to make the decision to either play without fans or not have the season at all because at this point yeah. it's it's going to come down to one or the other they're saying at this point that the vaccine it's looking like could be well over a year away and until you have something like that in your back pocket where people are safe again, they're not going to ha- be able to put fans in the stands. And, no. and even if they were saying, hey, come on in, Seton Hall did a study um, on this. They asked, fan- asked people, like, you know, if there wasn't a vaccine and they opened up the stadiums again, would you go to a football game? And oh, close to 80% of people said no in the study. And, I mean, it just shows, like, even if you decided, hey, you know what, we're going to risk it, we're going to have fans, and I don't think anyone's at that point now or that anyone's going to do that based on what I've seen, um, you're not going to have football. And I think um, it's going to be key to see get testing more involved here on a level where, obviously, we're seeing the Major League Baseball has proposed, you know, testing guys um, on a couple times a week basis and then playing football or playing baseball down in Arizona. Um, I, I mean, I don't think the college football is not going to be able to do what those ones are looking at playing at neutral sites just because the, the logistics of having kids not at their college when they're trying to do classes and everything else just isn't going to happen. But testing is going to be key. And I think at this point, it's either you're either not going to have fans and you're just going to have essential staff. I mean, we'll see if media is even a part of that essential staff, but I would assume they would be. But man, who, who even knows at this point? But um, it's either going to have to be without fans or you're not going to have a season at all. Um, I listened, I watched Get Up this morning when I was getting ready for my 8 a.m. class, and uh, Paul Feinbaum said it would be the end of college football if you played without fans. And, I, I mean, I, I vehemently disagree there because I'm at the point where it's just like, you know, it's not even about, like, obviously this is all, everything's more than football, but it, it, you're either going to play without fans or you're not going to be able to play until there's a vaccine. 
And if you're talking about going a year or two without football at this point, it's going to be the end of a lot of college football programs and not just college football programs, but I mean, frankly, college football programs bring in a lot of money to allow some of these other non-revenue sports to be around. If you, right. if you don't start having a season at some point, like it's going to get to the point where a lot, I mean, Cincinnati already just shut down their soccer program. They shut, it's not even a thing anymore. And that's Cincinnati's no slouch of a program. You know, yeah. I mean, they're, they're a big time program. And, uh, athletics program and they just shut down their soccer program and I don't know you know how good their soccer team was or not but regardless that's that's startling to see already you know we're just a couple months into this really and we're already seeing that um, but at this point I think going forward they're gonna have to figure out a way to do this without fans otherwise they are gonna have a disaster on their hands in college athletics going forward for the future yeah I mean I think we're already past the point of preventing disaster at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't really expect there to not be any repercussions for, you know, we already lost March Madness, looking at football not even being in the fall. And like you said, I think the biggest people are going to take a hit is the non-revenue sports. And it's stuff that you don't really see. It's the behind the scenes that no Cincinnati football is not going to go away. They'll probably, you know, don't want to knock on wood, I guess, but um, you know, like Cincinnati soccer, those soccer teams, those, um, you know, field hockey, water polo, stuff like that. You're going to see an entirely new NCAA. I think there's going to be a lot of adjustments that have to be made. Um, I think also in these upcoming, um, you know, months, there's got to be some preventative stuff because you don't want to see that happen to, you know, these kids' futures and these kids' sports and, you know, college sports in general. I mean, you know, a lot of people you know, base their lives around this. And you don't want to see that go away because of this or because of losing a season when losing a season means saving lives. Yeah. I think until they can, if they can find a way to do it safely and they can do a way or find a way to do it in a safe manner that keeps people alive, keeps people healthy and allows for these guys to get back going, I think they need to find a way to start doing it. At this point, whenever, you know, obviously, I think it's going to be a lot of few. I don't even think this summer at this point, looking at it, it's going to be late summer at the earliest that we probably have any sports. And obviously, it all comes secondary. It's all got to be getting people healthy, getting pe- and make, doing it in a safe manner. But I think once they find out a way to do that, I think it is going to be key for them to get that going again, just so you don't lose these non revenue sports. I mean, just for that sake alone, and to keep some of these things going. But um, hopefully, they can find a way to do this safely because that's most most important. Do a so, social distancing, all those things, keep people safe, and get people back on the football field. I mean, obviously, comes like you said, comes secondary, but I hope sometime soon they can do that. And um, yeah, hopefully, I really hope because it's it's going it's driving me nuts without it. But thankfully, at least for me, you know, my family's safe, everybody's safe here. And I haven't had too much people affected, but, you know, obviously, you know, Jaina just wrote a column about her mom getting it. And that's something that hits close to home, I think, for everybody. You know, yeah. when you know, when you find out, when you know somebody, you know somebody who had it. And hopefully everyone stays safe during these times and hopefully we can get something going again. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope that, you know, you know, it doesn't really seem like it's uh, going on until it hits close to home and then it's like a, like a smack in the face. And I think sports was that first wake-up call you know the NBA kind of really set a precedent with that 
you know, suspending their season. But I think that sports was a smack in the face for a lot of people. And now I think it's more of just, you know, we're going to see a lot of people probably we know, you know, conduct or contract this virus. And I think the most important thing is just, you know, emphasizing social distancing. I mean, Mel Tucker's been emphasizing it every day on mm-hmm. Twitter. I don't know if D'Antonio would have tweeted it. Another shout out D'Antonio. Again, Mel Tucker's doing a lot on Twitter. But, I mean, he's, he's you know, he's preaching the gospel at this point, you know. You got to stay safe, practice social distancing until this, um, you know, regardless of what happens with sports, trying to save lives here absolutely well Devin, i want to thank you for coming on today to talk some football with me hopefully sometime in the next few months we're able to finally watch a football game sit you know and it's sunny and nice out and everything else i hope that comes soon but we'll have to see yeah i'm um, i'm wishing for sunnier days and uh some some press press box hot dogs 100 percent 100 percent man well stay safe devin it's everyone out there stay if you can stay home stay home stay safe stay healthy and we'll catch you guys next time